Thanks, Dan. Well, good morning, Village Church. Happy Thanksgiving Sunday, I guess this is. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving with friends or family or some of the friends from our Village Church family. Um, I'm not sure the governor was happy with my Thanksgiving. Maybe he was happy with yours. I don't know. That was supposed to land. That was a joke that was supposed to land, but okay. Uh, so, so the Thanksgiving meal, um, I think, can be intimidating for maybe even like, like the most extroverted introvert, if that makes sense. Like the person that's the introvert that, that is with friends and family, people they're comfortable with, but, uh, but, but they've got to share at some point around the table. And so if you're the introvert around the table, you're likely like one of the last people to share when, when everyone goes around the table and shares something that they are thankful for. But when you hear someone that you know and love share something that they're thankful for publicly, like use their voice and share it publicly, there, there tends to be something more meaningful about it. It feels much more meaningful. It's because they've gone through the, the, the trouble. Maybe that's the wrong word. They've taken the, the intention to, to articulate something they've been thinking and feeling in their hearts and in their minds and expressing it with words. A public declaration of thanks is some of those meaningful kinds of declarations of thanks that there are. It's become socially acceptable to do this over Instagram and, and Facebook and social media, right? We're thankful for something, and so we post it, and, and, and we have some distance. If we're intimidated to do it with our voice, we can use our voice in that digital format, right? And so, and, and I think it's great. You know, we, we hashtags and all kinds of shout-outs we can give to people, and, and we can tell them how thankful we are for something that they've done or something that they've given, it is the difference between thanks and gratitude, as a friend reminded me this week. Gratitude is something we feel. That's a bit more self-centered and focused. Thankfulness, you have to be thankful to another person. It's something that someone else has done for you. We do this sometimes here in our church family, don't we? As we're gathered together uh, as a church family, we, at times, we point someone out. So, so someone is in the congregation, and someone from the front points them out and says, uh, hey, uh, you know, this person, so to speak, remember what they did this week for our church, and we just want to say thank you to you. And some of you, you know, don't like that too much, and some of you maybe like it a little too much, and, 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 but we point you out. It's a meaningful declaration of thanks when it's public, you feel a certain sense of meaning when, when we actually bring someone up front. And, and again, some of you don't like that as much, and some of you, us maybe like it a little too much, but, but we bring someone up front and we say, this person did this thing for our church family. And we just want to say thank you in the most public and, and affirming way we can. And, and here we're saying thank you because it means so much to us. Public declarations of thanks are some of the most meaningful declarations of thanks. And who would deserve this kind of declaration of thanks more than God would deserve it? Who would deserve it more than him? How often, though, do we actually give him these kinds of public declarations of thanks? I think the author of Psalm 111 understands this. And so in verse 1, he says, Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I'm all in on this. this is, I'm not shy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sort, sort of hiding behind anything. I, I'm not tenuous. I'm just, I'm out there. With my whole heart, I'm giving thanks to the Lord in the company of the upright, in the congregation. 
This word company literally means in a, an intimate fellowship of friends. It's like sitting around that Thanksgiving table where you're in the company of people that you have intimate relationship with. You give thanks to God publicly in those kinds of settings. The word congregation here, it's referring to the, the entire wilderness wandering gathering of God's people, right? It's a throng of people. It's the widest circle that they could imagine. And I think that the author of the psalm is not saying you do it here and you do it here, although he's clearly saying that. I think by using both words, he's combining them. And I think the sense we can get this morning is that it's the widest group of people that would be, we would be most intimate with. That we would give God public thanks in the widest group of people that we're most intimate with. And that kind of feels like the church, right? The, the company plus the congregation sort of feels like the church. This is God's people. This is a wide group of people that we are most comfortable or intimate with. You might say, Matt, I think we do that all the time. We sing songs of praise and thanks to God. And so we do give public declarations of thanks to God on any given Sunday. And I think there is a sense that that is true. This morning, we're going to do something a little different. We are going to also give an opportunity to give some responsive, collective declarations of thanks. And as I walk through each of our four sort of main topics this morning, I'm going to get to the end of it. And we're all going to say a, a public declaration of thanks together. And the words will be on the screen, and I'll, I'll guide you through it. We're also going to give you an opportunity to give a personal declaration, public declaration of thanks to God um, on the microphone that's front and center, and, and I'll be up here to kind of help you feel a little bit more comfortable. But at the end of our time, we'll sing a couple songs, and there will be a time where you can come and give a public declaration of thanks to God. And you received an email from me this week, I think a couple times, outlining how we would do that. There are so many reasons why we could give and should give public thanks to God. And in Psalm 11, there are at least four of them. Typically on a Sunday morning, we read a passage of Scripture and we just kind of work verse by verse through that passage of Scripture. This morning, it's a little harder for us to do that because this is an acrostic psalm, which means it's outlined based on the letters of the alphabet, not on flow of thought so much. And so don't get disjointed this morning as, as you see us kind of hop from place to place in the psalm because that's what the author does. But he does start the first idea, I believe, in the next verse, in verse 2. Look at it with me where he says, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. And I believe the psalmist is telling us that God deserves our thanks as our creator. God deserves our thanks as our creator. This word works, it refers to the things that God does, what he shapes, what he's done. And most often in the Psalms, and in the Old Testament in particular, when it's referring to the things that God has done, his works, it goes back all the way to Genesis. It, it starts with his first and greatest work, his work in creation, creating all the things that we see around us and creating humankind in his image and likeness with dignity and value and worth. This might be one of the most common ways we give thanks to God when we're out in nature. We see something that God has created as part of his creation, we see other things that he's created for us to enjoy, to be in awe of. Maybe you've had the same thought that I've had, the same reaction when, when you walked to the end of the Grand Canyon. And as I stood close to the edge, not too close to the edge, and looked across, I, my heart leapt and my jaw dropped as I saw what God had done. 
Maybe you felt this way as you stood at the base of Half Dome or as you hiked the hike all the way to the top along the lines and the rope where you're not supposed to look down and you get to the top and you see the vastness of what God's done. Maybe you've never had the privilege to go to one of those places, but you've been in an airplane and you've opened up the window as you were on the window seat and you've looked out below the clouds just to see the vastness of all that he's created. Again, the heart leaps, the jaw drops, and we say, thank you, God. You don't have to be in one of those great places in some majestic place. You could just be in the everyday, ordinary things of life. This week, I had the opportunity to be on the golf course with Pastor Mike one morning early this week. And as the dew was on the ground and the steam was rising and the sun eventually burst through and and through the leaves of so many of the trees around the course, I felt myself just so grateful and I was, I was, I was thanking God as I was walking for all that he'd created. It was amazing. It was beautiful, beautiful morning. I had an opportunity to be at the beach down at Salt Creek the day before Thanksgiving. A couple of my kids wanted to go surf. And so here we are with our feet in the sand and, and in the water and just, just enjoying the sound of, of the waves. And it was a beautiful morning and the waves were so good. They were just peeling and there was no wind and it was a perfect morning and just thankfulness to God for enjoying those things. Thanksgiving morning on a walk with the family, walking down the trail and by the house and seeing all the people and saying happy Thanksgiving to the people that passed by. But again, seeing the light, you know, refracting through the trees and just seeing all the things that God has made. We should be thankful to God. He is our creator. It says, studied by all who delight in them. God means for this creation to bring us delight because it reminds us of how great he is. He is our creator. We're gonna end our service this morning by singing the song, All Creatures of Our God and King. And let me just read a few of the lyrics to you this morning ahead of time. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam, O praise him. Thou rushing wind that art so strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven along. Thou rising morn in praise rejoice, ye lights of evening find a voice. We just see all of creation praising God who is the creator. And so this morning we want to thank him for being our creator. We're going to do that by just offering a public declaration of thanks together. Will you read it with me? We give thanks to you, God, our creator, for the incredible things you have made for us. We thank God for those things. I think the second idea that the psalm keys in on is actually in the next verse, verse three, where it says, full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. I believe this follows verse two uh, intently and it meant to remind us of a second thing that God deserves our thanks as our sustainer. He's not just our creator that created us and just said, hey, go be part of my creation. He is our sustainer. God is our sustainer and we should thank him for those things. This word work, it points to the providential acts of God in caring for us. In the New Testament, we're reminded in the book of Colossians that that he holds all things together. In him, all things are held together, all of creation. 
including us, our human body, that's that the biology that holds us together. It's held together because of God, the sustainer. All the elements and the things that we use for energy and heat and, and to do the things that we do as human beings are all held together by God, the sustainer. He does this every day, day in and day out, as the sun rises and as it sets. And the psalmist reminds us of this in verses seven and eight, where he says, the works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. The word faithfulness used twice here, that he is faithful, that he is consistent, that he will always be our sustainer. People who don't believe in the God of the Bible recognize these realities. They just say them in different ways. They say something like, well, as fate would have it. They might say something like, well, it just sort of all worked out. It's just miraculously all worked out. As Christians, we would sometimes use the phrase providence. We'd say in God's providence because his hand is above us and we recognize that it's over us. As Psalm 139 reminds us, you go before me, you hem me in behind, your hand is upon me. And there David's saying, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high, I can't attain it. I don't understand how you hold your hand over all of us and over everything. You sustain me and everyone I can see and everyone I can't see and everything I see and everything I can't see. You sustain everything. I love how it says the works of his hands are faithful and just and his precepts are trustworthy. It takes his works and his precepts and he puts them together. And what he's saying is that everything that God says and what God does are aligned. If God has said something in his precepts, he will accomplish it. It is involved in his works. What God says is trustworthy and God has said that he will be our sustainer. And he has been. And he is. And he will be. And so this morning, we're going to give him thanks. So together, we're going to make this public declaration of thanks. Would you join me as I read it? And we read it together. We give thanks to you, God, our sustainer, for all the ways you have consistently cared for us. He has. For the third, we're going to jump down to, uh, third idea, we're going to jump down to verse five where he says, he provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. And here we see simply yet significantly that God deserves our thanks as our provider. He deserves our thanks as our provider. This word provision, it, it means the ongoing provision of God, that God has provided for us and that he is providing for us and that he will provide for us. This idea was instilled in me really at a young age by, by my folks, my parents. I grew up in a, an upper middle class home and there were seasons in life where we kind of did what we wanted and went where we wanted and ate what we wanted and had what we wanted and those sorts of things. And and there were seasons where we didn't. There were seasons where things were really tight. And I can remember a handful of times that this exact scenario happened where my folks were really open with us about these things. That even when we had as much plenty as we had, they would remind us all the time that God is the one that provided it. 
It wasn't just my dad's work and it wasn't just my mom's work, but it was God who was behind it all. So even during the seasons where there was a lot, they would remind us it all comes from him. And maybe you can relate to this. There were seasons where there wasn't a lot. There were seasons where things were really tight. There were seasons where they were making decisions. Should we stay in our house that we live in in Irvine, which they still live in today, by the way? And I remember times when when they would be really open with us and, and tell us something like, we're praying and asking God for this amount of money to help us make it through this amount of time. And I can remember a handful of times where it would happen where, where my, one of my folks would go to the, the mail and, and would, would open the mail and there would be a check in the mail. And let's just say it was for a certain amount that, that a client owed my mom but hadn't paid her in like 10 months. But all of a sudden it showed up the day after we prayed for it as a family. And I would remember my, my folks bringing the check to the dinner table and saying, I want you to see this that we actually prayed and asked God for this amount of money. And I just want you to see that it's the exact amount that we needed. Happened a handful of times. It's happened to me. I remember three years ago or four, maybe it is now on my summer sabbatical. This wasn't like a need. It wasn't like I needed the food, but I wanted to take my son on this father-son trip and it cost $500. And so I I prayed for like three days, Lord, would you provide the money? I really want to take Luke to this father-son retreat. And I remember praying for it and then there was a stack of mail that was on the counter and I needed $500 and was asking God and and I remember going to open the mail and and I I to my <laughs> to my shock you know there was a there was a there was a check for $500 for from my escrow account of all places that was overpaid that was the exact amount that I needed and I'd been praying for 2 or 3 days for it and had been sitting in a stack of the mail the check was already there before I even asked I don't know if you've experienced things like that or something like it where God provides for you in a way that is so clear, it's undeniable that it's him. God can provide for us in these ways outside of just our work, which is the normal way he provides for us. Verse six tells us he has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. God, God provides for us in ways that we can't provide for through our own work. And even when it is our own work, who, who's provided the mind and the hands? Who's provided the knowledge and, and the know-how? Who provides all the things that you have to do your work in the first place? But there are times when God can provide, and he does, provide for his people outside of anything that they've done. I think this is actually referring to Deuteronomy chapter 6, where, where Moses says, and, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you the great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and all the trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of houses of slavery. He is our provider and he provides through us through our work and he provides through us for us in ways that are outside of work. He gifts us with things that we do not earn. He provides in every way. He deserves thanks for it. And so this morning, we just want to make a public declaration of thanks together. Would you read it with me? We give thanks to you, God, our provider, for always providing for our needs. And he does. 
and he will. Verse 4 leads us to the fourth idea here, I believe, and it says this, He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. And I believe the psalmist wants us to know that God deserves our thanks as our deliverer. He deserves our thanks as our deliverer. This word for works means the extraordinary saving acts of God. And when it says remembered, I believe it's clearly pointing back to the Passover that they would remember every year of God's delivering them out of Egypt. And I think that's clear because in verse 9, he says it pretty specifically when he says, he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. He points them back to the Exodus and says, God delivered you out of Egypt. He delivered you out of slavery. He delivered you out of bondage. He freed you to live a life free to to walk with him in his goodness in a land flowing with milk and honey. He he freed you to live in, in a good place, in a pleasant space he has brought you into. They would remember the Passover, God's deliverance and all of his provision for them. He redeemed them. He delivered them. God deserves our thanks as our deliverer. How many things has God delivered you from? How many times in life have you looked back and thought, it just feels miraculous to me. How in the world did I get out of that? How in the world did did he save me from that? How did we make it through this? God delivered you out of something. But as Christians, we know that as we look at the delivery, deliverance of God's people out of Egypt, we see an even greater kind of exodus, an even greater kind of deliverance, right? We see, we see the exodus as, as sort of a prototype in a sense. We see it as a foreshadowing of a greater kind of deliverance that God would bring. As Christians, we believe that, that all of us, before we were Christians, before we professed our faith in Christ, that, that we were slaves to sin, that we were slaves to sin, that we were in bondage to sin, that, that we couldn't help but not to sin. And that our lives were filled with the, filled with the, the result of our, of our sin, we, the consequence of our sin. There was guilt and shame that was weighing on our lives. But Jesus has delivered us from our sin that God has delivered us by sending Jesus to us. And Jesus lived a life that was free from sin. He was tested in every way we are yet without sin. And as Christians, if you're not yet a Christian, this is what we believe. That Jesus lived a life that we can never live. A, a life of, a perfect life before God. No sin. He was never enslaved to sin. There was literally no sin in his life. And he died the death that we should have died on the cross and in our place and for our sins. He took the weight of our sin and our guilt and our shame. And he rose three days later as we profess our faith and our hope and our trust in him to forgive us of our sin. We are forgiven for our sin. We're freed from the bondage of our sin as well. We're forgiven and we're free. We don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. He's delivered us from that. And we get to live a life that's free to walk in forgiveness and in freedom And it's really good news, and I hope it is for you this morning. And I think if there's good news for us this morning, this is it. That Jesus has delivered us from many things, and ultimately from the most important things. He's delivered us from sin and death. I hope that's good news for you this morning. If you're a Christian, I know that it is. 
And so this morning, we want to give thanks to God for this. And so we'll read together our last and, and I believe our most important public declaration of thanks this morning. Would you read it with me? We give thanks to you, God, our deliverer, for delivering us in extraordinary ways and ultimately delivering us from sin and death. Amen. Thank you, God. Because it's only by God's grace that we would know any of this, that we would see any of this, that we would understand any of this, and we'd be able to give thanks to God for these things. And I believe that's where the psalmist ends his psalm in verse 10, where he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. The only reason you and I understand these things is by the grace of God, that he's revealed these things to us as his people. God has given us good understanding in revealing himself to us and giving us the grace to walk in the fear of the Lord. I love Psalm 25, 14. It says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant and he has made known to us his new covenant that he has given us in Jesus Christ. And so as Christians, we should be the most thankful people on the planet because we don't just walk around and look at the things and go, wow, what an amazing view or what an amazing trees or how amazing it is that the sun refracts through the leaves. No, we know the creator. We say, what an amazing creator we have and we thank God for those things. And when life just seems to work out, you know, we don't just say, well, it just all worked out. No, we know that he's the sustainer. He's behind it all, sustaining us and all things. And so we thank him for those things. When, when we're in times of plenty, you know, we, we don't just say, well, like I've worked hard and I've sort of worked my way to this point and I've earned what I have. And maybe that is true. But behind it all, we say, thank God he's provided for me. He is my and our provider. And maybe there's been all kinds of things in life that the average person would say, oh, I just kind of got saved from this. I can't believe I made it through that. And as Christians, we say, no, 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 it's bigger than that. He's delivered us from those things. And so we give thanks to God for those things. Of Christians, of all people, we, we have understanding. We understand these things by God's grace. And so this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to give some public thanks to God. And here's the way that's going to work. This morning is Fourth Sunday, and on Fourth Sunday, we take communion as Christians. And we remember the, the body of Jesus that was broken for us and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And I think if someone's listening, we may need more communion elements. And if you're at home, maybe this is the time you go get yours, if you're online, but we may need more that are in the kitchen. And if someone's hearing this, they can grab them. That'd be great. We're going to share communion together as Christians. It's for Sunday. The word, um, the word Eucharist, which is used surrounding communion, it actually means Thanksgiving. And so this morning, we're going to do something a little different. Generally, when we share communion together, we're, we're taking a, a lengthy time to, to remember to repent of our sin. And we'll take a moment to do that this morning as well. But as we share communion, we also remember to rejoice. We remember to thank God for what he's done for us. And so this morning, we're going to do that. We're going to sing a song that points us in that direction. It's a song of thanks for the cross, for what Jesus accomplished there. We're going to share communion together. 
And then we're going to sing one more song. It's 10,000 Reasons, it's called. There are more than four reasons to give thanks to God. And after we sing 10,000 Reasons, I'm going to walk back up. I'm going to invite you to just to come and give a short, simple, but significant, just public thanks to God for what he's done. And then we'll end our service by singing All Creatures. Let's sing the song together. And if you haven't received your communion elements, now would be the time to go and grab them as well. You're free to do that. We sing with us as we sing.